1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Blue New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going.
2: Go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. My name is Rob Louder, cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com, and joining me tonight, just the same as every other night, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Freaking Crocker. What's going on, dude? How you doing? How you feeling?
3: I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. I actually put out my uh, top 20 uh, re- cornerback list.
2: How's that um, been How's that been received? Have you been called an idiot, or you're wrong, or your opinion sucks? Oh, 100%.
3: But I, well, actually, I don't think it was actually – well, I haven't looked through the comments. I, I did last night as they were coming in, and, you know, it's funny because people, you know, they'll they'll come with the whole, like, blah, oh, blah, blah, and then when I talk to them about it, it's just, like, they're, like, cool about it. Like, oh, okay, I can see why you did that. Oh, you know, and, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they kind of change their tune, but um, I think initially it's kind of a shock just because – I think just because it's different – I had somebody say, like, if you have Jeff Okuda at, at at two, you're just trying to be different. And they're like, no, I'm, not, I'm really not trying to be different. Like, this is just really how I feel. And like, I have a very detailed description, like, you know, why. Uh, it's
2: funny that, like, you've we started to hear that teams could be looking at C.J. Henderson, like, within the top ten, but you're called, like, that, and, that, and that's been out there, and people have like been like, okay, all right, I, I see it, but – if you have him above number one, but still going in the top 10, like people think it's weird. Like, right. Like, look, man, one might go at four. One might go at seven or two, three and, and eight. You know what I mean? Like there's not a whole lot separating these two guys. So like the idea that somebody is offended about your, it's, it's funny. What one thing I was going to say too, is I guarantee you a lot of people will, will talk shish about your rankings and, and spout off assuming that you're not going to reply to them. And they're just like gonna leave it. They're, they're just gonna leave a comment and like get some likes and be done with it. And then when you pipe back, and you're like, hey, uh, yeah, I feel that way, and this is why. And
3: and they're like, oh, okay, okay, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I can do that. I can do
0: that.
3: <laughs> yeah, that that definitely happens a lot. So I'll probably, I mean, there's like over hundred comments now. I'm pretty sure at some point I'll go through, you know, and just hey, you know, let's talk about it. That's what I always say. You know, let's talk about it. See, a lot of times it's just, like, one or two players that they disagree with where they are, and then that's why their list is stupid. Like, it's stupid because, oh, you have Denzel Mims at 14. Like, and it's like, okay, you're now the whole list is stupid because of one guy. Well, you know, okay, we can talk about it. And then I think some people would think because I have somebody at 14. First of all, I think it's a pretty deep receiver class, and there's so many different type of guys. Um, You heard John Lynch say – oh, yeah, you know, there's 24 receivers that, you know, we, that they basically like that he's going through and he thinks that they're talented and they can be, you know, right. uh, you know, on their team and basically, like, be impact guys, you know. So if I have a guy at 14, I think that includes that guy that Kyle feels like, hey, we can use this guy a certain way and he can be very productive. And I think Mims is one of those guys. The way I kind of view it is who has the best chance of being a wide receiver, one. And that's kind of how I kind of base my rankings. Not saying that they are going to be that. I, there might only be two or three or four guys that in, end up being, like, you know, a wide receiver one on the team. But that's basically kind of how I view it, who can be a wide receiver one. And I look at, like, you know, different things that make them unique, um, whether, you know, special traits and whatnot, and how consistent they are at doing that. And then that's kind of how I make my, my 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 rankings. So I got, like, Mims, who I know a lot of people like, um, I think in the 49ers' offense, he can be productive. I think he has a very uh, uh, precise kind of like skill set where, hey, you know, he can stretch the field, he can run the crossers, he's a great contested catch guy. And a lot of that is what the 49ers are missing. So if you line him up opposite of Debo Samuel and you have a guy like maybe Dante Pettis that's, you know, doing good, then Mims could be a great fit for the Niners. And then i you know, people are, oh, you look like you feel stupid now. And it's like, no. I, I assume that all of these guys well I don't want to use the word assume but I I always say, I don't know what they're gonna be. I'm just evaluating them as prospects. But you'll never hear me say like this guy won't be this or he can't do this. You know? I right. think people try to push me into that that type of like to make those kind of statements and I and I don't. I hope they all do good. You know, that'd be that'd be dope. But chances are there are only gonna be, you know, a handful that really make, you know, some type of impact and you know before the draft all you do is kind of evaluate them and then you don't know where they're going to go like you can have somebody who i feel like is super talented but if he goes to a crappy situation he's going to look terrible Squashed, dude Squashed. And like I,
2: I thought corey davis was like the bees and E's. like i had a really 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 high opinion of him coming out but you know he kind of you know he went to uh to Tennessee and and you know had some injuries and slugged his way through bad quarterback play and you know right. and, and then they drafted AJ Brown and he's taking off and and you know it's like who knows what that guy would have been if he'd gone somewhere else
3: right you know what I
2: mean like it, it's just and the thing that you're mentioning too is like it's never really I mean there are guys that you can love and guys that you can you know slam the table for and say this guy's gonna be you know like um why am I drawing a blank the Seattle receiver, Uh, the guy that every, uh, Right. I mean, you, you, despite the fact that everybody kind of cooled on him and he, he didn't go until whatever it was late in the second round, you were always all about him. And then sure enough, he came out and and looked exactly like the receiver. Everybody kind of thought he was going to be before his stock kind of fell or, or, you know, apparently with NFL teams, maybe his stock was never, ever really that high, but you know, obviously everybody was talking about him after that ridiculous combine. And, you know for some reason people i think if they did a redraft he would go in the first round easily right after after what you've seen of him in seattle but the the point i was trying to make is that people just get too attached to their opinions and and like like i was saying you can have guys that you love and that you'll bang the table for and that you're confident about what they'll be but people just come at you like like you're putting your your life's work and stamp on these guys, and your opinion is unwilling to, is is incapable of changing. And if they don't work out, you're going to feel like an idiot. Like, it's just, you could just tell when somebody comes at you with that attitude that they don't really know you. And they right. don't really so, know.
3: That's what about. I try to remember. That's what I try to remember, too. But like, somebody was coming at me and he was like, oh, well, you had Hakeem Butler and Riley Ridley top five last year. And it was like, well, yeah, but I, uh, you know, because he was basically like, you're wrong. Like, you're always wrong. And it's like, well, also I had DK Metcalf number one, Debo Samuel, number two, and A.J. Brown, number three. And that wasn't a consen- consensus uh, one, two, three. There were a lot of people no, that had um, uh, Hollywood Brown over those guys, and Hollywood didn't have as good a season as any of those guys. Um, there were a lot of people that had Nikhil Harry over those guys. There were a lot of people that had um, Paris Campbell over those guys. Um, and there's another guy, too, so, like, even then, my, my top five was still kind of unique, um, and a couple of little guys, you know, Hakeem Butler, he didn't even play, but even then, before then, it sounded like he wasn't doing well in camp, uh, but, you know, um, and then Riley really he barely saw the field, so, but the other three guys who did see the field, they played very well, you know, so it's like, you know, was I still trying to be different then when I had those? No, it's like, that's just what I thought, and <laughs> I thought that, D.K. had a very unique skill set of, of power, quickness at the line of scrimmage, and speed that I thought, no matter what, that's going to translate. Um, and I thought Debo Samuel was, you know, a refined uh route runner. I don't think he got enough credit for that. Um, he had twitch. He had quickness. Um, he was explosive. Like, I really liked all those things. And then A.J. Brown, like, consistent, strong hands, um, can play outside, inside. I questioned how much he could play outside, but still, he was my wide receiver three. So, you know – I have my reason. People are like, oh, you don't have Hollywood Brown. Well, those guys were more productive. You don't have Paris Campbell. Okay, well, those guys are still more productive than those guys, you know, so that's all. Uh, I just had, you know, I I appreciate people that when they come and talk to me, I actually had a cornerback from um, Oregon State DM me. I mean, not Oregon State, Oregon. A corner from Oregon. He was like, hey, I respect the hell out of this, you know, because I, because I, uh, he, he actually took the time to kind of read through my thread and, why I didn't have Akuda my CB1. And he DMed me and he was like, I respect the hell out of that. You know, that's all I asked for. Just respect it. And I do get a lot of people that um, quote tweeted and like, you know, I don't agree, but You know, I know you put in the work, so I respect you know like your opinion on that. And you do have. Well,
2: you're not out here like throwing around hyperbole and making these you know huge ass statements like, "Oh, this is the best corner I've ever seen." And you know every you're and you know a lot of people want to make statements like that on Twitter because you know it can get retweets and people are like, "Oh, damn!" Like he's he's putting it out there. But you know when like when people read your tweets, it's just you writing down what you saw, and it's not like you have a big ego about it. So it's. It's just funny to see how people react. And like, you know, I was texting you the other day about that dude. He was, he was like talking shish on you, but he was like, like, he, what did he say? Like, this guy doesn't even have Denzel Mims in his Tom ten, but but he wasn't like talking to anybody else. He was just <laughs> replying to you as if he was talking to somebody else. I'm like, is this guy talking to you in third person? Like, yeah, what is I, I
3: was just like, oh
2: man. I mean, people just will. It's just Twitter, man. We all know who it is. But anyways, moving on. Uh, outside of the first 10 minutes, obviously, uh, today's episode of Striking Gold is all about you guys. Um, I just figured, and, you know, Crocker and I figured that the best thing that we could do, like, two days before the draft is just have a mailbag and get your guys' questions and get you, get an idea of what you guys are feeling and, uh, you know, what it, the thoughts that are going through everybody's heads, because we're only a couple days away from the draft. You, most of you guys that listen to this uh, will probably listen to it uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, which is the day before the draft, so... And obviously this draft is going to be very, very unique in the fact that, you know, it's all online, it's all digital, it's all, you know, so, I mean, there's sure going to be, I'm sure there's going to be some bumps in the road and some weird problems and whatever. It's just, it's just, it's interesting. And obviously it's interesting for 49ers fans, especially Thursday, because the 49ers have two first round picks and, you know, and that's just the way it is. So without further ado, I think we should jump right into the questions. That way we, we don't have to rush through them. We don't have, we can, we can sit here and talk about every... Every question you guys have now, some of them might be similar to to others. So if if we run into a similar question uh, to one that we've already answered, it might be a little bit shorter, but that's just the way it is. But and we haven't gone through and looked at these questions and kind of rehearsed our answers or anything like that. We're just gonna pull up my mentions where I put out my mailbag post and we're gonna read through them. So you know, I I, I don't want anybody to think that we uh, deliberately are leaving out a, a question or because you didn't know how to answer it or. You know, we we went. It's just we wanted you guys to get our honest feedback, like we were having a conversation back and forth. So, uh, let's hop into this. I got my stuff right here. Um, let's just start out with Kyle, who is actually now that I look at it, a, a friend of mine that I know here in Fresno. And his question is very simple, Crocker. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Is it true if you don't use it, you lose it? <laughs> y- yes. Of course, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but 100%, <laughs> Kyle, for sure. If you don't, if you don't lose it, you're gonna use, you're gonna
3: lose it, bro. I mean, that's yeah. just the way it is. That's so, happening with my athleticism. Like, I just kind of, <laughs> and I'm not like old, but I feel old. Like when I move and I run. So you know, I'm 32 years old now, and you know, I look at it like, well, Richard Sherman is the same age as me. You know, he's still out there running around with kids. And, <laughs> Like when I say kids, I'm talking about like, you know, guys that are 21 years old. Um, and I can never do that right now. So I think that's, you know, when you, if you don't use it, which I haven't used it, you definitely lose it. Yep, and uh, that same
2: phrase could apply to other things, but, it's, you know, you just, you apply it to what you need to, and you just know <laughs> that if you don't use it, you're going to lose it, okay? It could be whatever you guys want it to be. So I think that's a great way to start it off because it just sets the tone that, you know, you're not going to, you know, you don't use it, you lose it. But yep. anyways, so moving on, Sugar Slam. At Sugar Slam. All right. Why isn't Jefferson, one Justin Jefferson, correct? Uh, am I get my names right? Yeah, Justin, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. Um, why isn't he being mentioned in the same breath as the other big three wide receivers? And when he says big Big three, he's referring to CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. When his collegiate production was as good or better than theirs. It's not like Tua was some scrub. If going to say it was because of Burrow, um, their quarterbacks. And Jefferson shared The Rock with Chase, too. Cheers. Hey, cheers to you, Sugar Slim. Um, I guess I'll start with this one. Um, for me, Justin Jefferson has always been right there with those three. You know, if I were like Crocker and I wanted to create my top 10 right now, Justin Jefferson for me would probably be three or four. And I feel like with me, him and uh, Henry Ruggs would go back and forth. Like, I'd, you know, I'd want to – I'd go back and forth between the two of them. So to us, and I know Eric Crocker in his wide receiver rankings, he has Justin Jefferson as number three. Um, so it's – I don't know why he isn't getting more burn among the media and among drafts. I know he's well thought of. I've, I've never really seen somebody – talk down on him um for those of you that don't, don't know let me just pull it up right here and i'm apologizing for the typing noise but i i really want you to know justin jefferson's stats because i've looked at these before but i want to make sure i get them right for you guys 111
3: today. catches 1800 yep. yards no
2: 1500 yards
3: okay 18 touchdowns
2: yeah 18 touchdowns yeah he had 111 catches <laughs> 1,540 yards. He averaged pretty much 14 yards a catch. And he had 18 touchdowns, which is big incredible. boy numbers. It's, big it's, boy it's, numbers. It's
3: incredible. Extremely productive.
2: Right. And, and it wasn't like he's it, just catching
3: screens. And, you know, there's some, like, I remember, like, Michael Crabtree. Or even, like, Zay Jones, right, catch a ton of passes. But, and, like you know, they caught it like a ton of screens. Like, these ain't screens This do this catching. Like, he's actually catching the ball downfield.
2: No, and and what I like about Jefferson is that he's very well-rounded when it comes to – he's got – he doesn't necessarily shine in one particular area like really, really brightly, if that makes sense. He is pretty good at contested catches. He does have good hands. But he's just very – he's a very, very solid receiver. He's quick. He ran a 4-4. Doesn't quite seem like he runs a 4-4 on tape, but he – separates he runs good routes he is has good he has good hands he's good at going up after the ball he's good at, at using his body to out leverage defenders and and a lot of his touchdowns involve him uh you know fighting through contact and or at the very least being a bully after the catch he's about i think he's six one, two hundred 200 pounds somewhere in there um not a huge dude but not small and I mean, I like him a lot. If the 49ers did, and I know that they're, they're really going to be because looking to trade back. Cause, because if you don't, if you don't know already, the 49ers have picked 13 from trading to Forrest Buckner of the Colts. They have pick 31, which is their own pick. And then they don't have another pick all the way until the fifth round. So it would not surprise me if the 49ers tried to trade back from 13 and tried to trade back from 31 just to give themselves another second, another third, a fourth, you know, maybe. Two of those somewhere in there, maybe something in 2020, uh, 2021. but if the 49ers trade back out of thirteen, and they're looking at wide receiver, I feel like Justin Jefferson, if he's still there, is you know one of those main guys. But um, what do you, what about you, Crocker? What's your what's your what ended up being your overall evaluation of Jefferson, and, and why did he scoot up into number three for you?
3: Yeah, I think he started off at like number seven, wide receiver seven for me. But I think just the the like you said, you know, you talked about how well-rounded of a game he had, and like you said, you know, you also said, uh, it's not like splashy, um, it's not like just super dynamic. It's it's just really consistent and really good. They throw the ball to him, he catches the ball. Um, you know, he gets open with routes, he catches the ball. <laughs> you know, um, there's a guy on him, he still catches the ball. Right. <laughs> And like you said, I mean, you you actually really touched on a lot of good uh, things. It, I don't think he plays at four four three speed, but he definitely plays fast enough to get on top of guys. And and he reminds me of like Kendrick Bourne. I've I've actually like compared him to like Kendrick Bourne, a combination of Kendrick Bourne and and uh, Juju Smith, where you know he has a really good contested catch. Uh, you know, can play from the slot, can play outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think ideally, you know, he, he, you want him to be more of a target heart, target hog from the slot. But, you know, I, I think the reason why he's kind of slept on or people don't talk about him as much is because it's just not sexy. It's just really consistent, and he just does his job. And, you know, it's, but it's not like Judy, you know, who makes guys fall. And it's not, you know, it's not like CeeDee Lamb who runs in circles and then runs into the end zone. Or like mm-hmm. Ruggs who, you know, he runs a four two seven. It's just really consistent. And I think he's going to be a really good pro. I think his floor is higher than anyone else's in this draft.
2: Right. I think, like, yeah, Like, I think that you're probably getting with Jefferson. I mean, maybe he develops into like a low-end wide receiver one, like if everything just really clicks and comes together for him. But I feel like he's going to be just a super solid wide receiver two in the NFL, some guy who can probably get, depending on the situation, I think he can get over 1,000 yards. But it's like a guy that might have – seven, 800 yards and like five or six touchdowns every year, which is like really, really valuable. And that might be underselling him a little bit. I'm not saying he couldn't do better than that, depending on the situation. Kind of like Tyler Boyd, you know, like somebody who's like not like a total and complete beast, but is just like consistently a factor in every game. You know, somebody who's just a go-to target type of guy. Maybe that's the best way to, to say it is I think he can be a go-to receiver. Somebody that, that quarterbacks are very comfortable throwing to because of just what he does. But anyways, I like Justin Jefferson a lot. I would be right. very, very stoked if, uh, if he ended up in an, even if, like, let's say things fall weird and they're at 13. If they took Justin Jefferson at 13, you wouldn't see me bat an eye. Like, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, hell yeah. Like they got a good, good player, but we'll see how it, how it goes out. But all right. Ferocious gentlemen, our next question. Who is, who is each of your guys' draft crush that isn't on everyone's radar? A low-key diamond in the rough. Croc, what do you think, man?
3: Ooh, draft crush. All right. Um, I think, I mean, I've talked to, I've talked about this guy, but I'd say Parnell Motley, and he's a corner that I have. I've talked to him about him a bunch, so people are like, well, Croc, you've been mentioning this guy, but um, I have him in my top ten. I just really like his game. I don't think he's going to get drafted, or if he does, I think he's going to be between, you know, around six or seven. Um, but I really, I appreciated his game and what he did and the challenges that he took on, um, following guys around. He was scrappy. Uh, you know, he's not, you know, he ran a four or five flat, which isn't terrible, but he jumped 30 inches his vertical. Um, you know, he just wasn't the most explosive athlete and didn't even get invited to the combine. So, but he is somebody who, um, I'd say draft crush uh, I think well, who was it last year no the year before it was Kevin Tolliver last year it was Debo Samuel uh, and this year I think Parnell Motley which when do you think he'll get looks do you think he'll get drafted who Motley yeah um, I, I, I think he'll probably be on the clock around round five but if I had to guess I don't know there's something telling me he's not going to get drafted but maybe six round
2: yeah well I mean that doesn't to me, that's, you know, it's, it's whatever. Like, everybody loves an underdog. If he doesn't get drafted, then, you know, you know, you can play. To me, if I were GM, I feel like if, if I were weighing percentages of the stuff I was looking at, like, what they did on tape and what they, you know, how they played football would be, like, 80% of my evaluation. You know, like, because too often you just hear about guys that fall for the wrong reasons and they ball out, you know. And you and, and, and even more often I feel like you you, you hear about guys that – did something freaky in testing, so that people kind of jump at it and it just doesn't work out.
3: Right.
2: You know, to me the most solid thing you can fall back on is well, how do they already play football? I know it's crazy, right? Like, are they good at football? Well, then I think they'll probably be good at football some more. You know, so I, I feel like if, if someone like that, like if you like the way they play, then then that's your guy. It's, it's really sometimes it's not that complicated. Um, for me, and this is kind of. Because one, I didn't when I first saw the question, I didn't I didn't really know for sure if I had one, you know, kind of a low key down in the rough. But I'm gonna go with Michael Walker, and he is a linebacker out of Fresno State, and and obviously i I went to Fresno State, I live in Fresno, I've watched him over the past two years, uh, and he's just one of those. I, I and I feel like when I watch him, I feel like I you know it's kind of like a Shades of Dre Greenlaw or something. Um, even though he more has like the body of like a Fred Warner, he's 6'3", 230 pounds. But over the last two years, you know, he played a little bit of both D-end and linebacker. Over the last two years, he had 182 tackles, 22 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, um, an interception return for a touchdown, 10 pass breakups, three forced fumbles. Like, the dude is like, he was just always around the ball. And he's just one of those guys that he didn't, like, test super, super well. He, I think he ran like a four six. Um I'm trying to think, see if I can get some of the more specifics here. He Ran like a 4-6, he bench pressed 20 times. He had a little over 7 second 3 cone. Like he's like he's he's just decent, but he's just one of those guys that has a feel for the spot and he was always around the ball and you always heard his name and he's just one of those guys that I could see going in like the 5th, 6th round that just kind of, you know, gets an opportunity and ends up being a starting linebacker. Like it's like he, like, his tape doesn't blow blow up at you. Like, it's not, like, crazy, but he's just solid, and he's around the ball. And I could see, you know, a team taking him in the in the late rounds, kind of like the 49ers took Dre Greenlaw. And just, he gets an opportunity, and, and there it is. So who knows? Who knows? I'm not sure what he's going to be. I mean, he could end up being just a special teams guy, or he, you never know. But I've always just liked watching him. It's fun to watch. And he's just a, a nice, like, hybrid player, which are kind of the rage now. You know, what, what spots can you play? So, all right, moving on. J-Mill says, who balls out more in 2020 considering they stay healthy all year? Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, or Dante Pettis, or Jarek McKinnon? Who y'all got? Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, Dante Pettis, Jarek McKinnon, all are healthy. Who balls out the most? I feel like I know what you're going to say, Crocker, but you go first. Trent Taylor. One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Me and Crocker mean. both have his two thousand nineteen offseason ingrained in our head. Yeah. Because I was at all I was at training camp the entire time. Crocker was there for a nice big chunk of it. And guys, I can't tell you enough. Trent Taylor was dominating that thing. Like it was just like what we saw between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trent Taylor at the when Jimmy Garoppolo first showed up in those five games. It was like that magnified by two. It was like watching somebody who you expected to have like a thousand yard season. You know, like it was just, Trent Taylor was all over the place. I don't know what to expect from Jalen Hurd. He obviously wasn't even healthy enough to go to the Super Bowl um, after that back injury. I, I just, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, obviously it would be awesome if he could get out there. I think he brings a lot to the table. I don't know. And then you have Dante Pettis, who I've just kind of lost a lot of confidence in. I feel like he has all the talent to be a, a huge impact player. There's just something else going on there. Like you saw him as a rookie, and when he got his chances late in the year, he was just he was tearing it up. But something happened that changed his mindset, changed his his output. I don't know. I don't know. Um McKinnon is an interesting one because, I, I you know, if he is healthy and he's close to 100%, I think he could have – a huge, huge impact. Shanahan just loves him and what he brings to the table. It's just, it's just another question mark. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. I don't know how big of an impact he's going to be able to carve out of him for himself within that backfield. I I don't know. It's tough, man. It's a good question, though. Yeah. It's a good question. All right, Jordan. At Jordan Serpa, in what order would you prioritize the 49ers position needs? well if i were to list my top three let's start with that if i were to list my my three top three positions of needs i would probably go i'd probably go wide receiver cornerback offensive line i think stuff to I'm, I'm just kind of
3: yeah i i would say okay so even in that order but yeah but it's that doesn't mean that that's how you have to you know, acquire that position. No, so, so I would say, you know, based on like, like what needs they re- I think their needs are, wide receiver, cornerback, no, because offensive line, whew, that right guard position kind of ruined the damn Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I mean, I think with, we can get by with, with our receivers. Well, I don't know, we don't have Emmanuel Sanders anymore, but I'd say right guard. Right, right guard um, should be the number one part. Like, that's the what we need to address the most. And then I would say uh, receiver because, you know, you got to have somebody other than Debo Samuel that's somewhat explosive. And then I would say cornerback just because at any moment, like, Richard Sherman can just, like, lose it and we'd be in trouble.
2: Right, and that's and that's the big thing. When I was saying wide receiver corner, I could, I could easily convince myself to go corner over receiver, because Richard Sherman is towards the end of his career. He has one year left on his contract. Um, Emmanuel Mosley is tendered on a one-year deal. Um, Keller Witherspoon has one year left. Like, what do you, what's going to happen after next year? You know what I mean? Like, there, it, it it would not surprise me if corner was, like, the 49ers are, are already, like, corner is going to be one of our first two picks. Period. Like, you know, but you don't really want to do that because you don't want to force a pick if a guy is not anywhere near your, you know, on your big board where you're picking. Like, let's say you're picking at 31, and you have this cornerback. that you're, The next quarterback cornerback on your big board is ranked, like, 40th. You know, then you're you're forcing a, a pick. Instead of eight other players, nine other players that are you consider better than that corner. So that's why you hear so many people say take best player available because when you were when you when you wedge yourself into a corner to where you have to take a certain position and those now now they, they could match up, they could match up fine where your needs meet value. Like you have this cornerback rated your your 28th player on your big board and now you're picking at 31. Boom. You know, you get a you get a great you get a great pick, and it matches up with the value. But if it doesn't, now you're forcing picks where you're actually passing on what you felt were better football players to make sure you address the position. And that's why you don't really want to do that because then you're essentially settling for uh, you know for worse football players than than you had the opportunity to draft. So you know that's why you don't necessarily want them to let need dictate your draft. But a lot of times those can match up. You know, a team can want a wide receiver, and there's a good one there when they're picking. You know, it's, it happens a lot. So, um, Samson Newstrom, thoughts on Chase Claypool, wide receiver out of, well, wide receiver-ish out of Notre Dame. Crocker, go.
3: So, I think he – everything says tight end. The, the way he moves – um, his size, his blocking ability, everything to me just screams tight end, and I think he'd be the top tight end in his class probably. Um, for whatever reason, a lot of people fight it. I think a lot of it comes from him being like the same size as Calvin Johnson, so they think that that's what they're getting. But they're not. Calvin Johnson was a legit receiver, and I'll be the first to tell you, just because two people are the same size, does not mean that this player is that. You know, and we can look at you know Evan Ingram. He's actually smaller than Chase Claypool at this moment. And he's a tight end. I think that Chase Claypool would benefit from more favorable matchups, uh, you know, more, you know, against linebackers and slots. And I, I think he'd be a tremendous guy. I think he'd be, you know, like a Delaney Walker type guy. But just him matched up against cornerbacks all day, I think if you leave him there, you're kind of doing him a disservice. Now, that's not to say that he can't prove me wrong and be, like, amazing. And I'll be the first one to be like, whoa. I was wrong, right? I did the same thing with uh, Terry McLaurin, where I was like, oh, he kind of gives me AJ AJ, uh, Jenkins vibes. And he's like, then he ended up being like one of the best rookie receivers in the league. So, you know, with Chase Claypool, I could be wrong. I'm just saying what I think and what I look at. Um, I actually thought, I thought he reminded me a lot of, of, and this is before the combine. Before the combine, I said he reminds me of Alan Lazard, but I, I thought Lazard was better. And, and then he goes to the combine and he runs a 4.38 and he's bigger than Lazard. Like he's 238 pounds. That's pretty big. I was like, this dude's a tight end. Put him there. But because he ran so well and he tested so well, everybody's like, no, he's a receiver. He's a receiver. But when I watched this film, I didn't see receiver. And that was with me. That was without me knowing what he would test at or measure at. I didn't even think he was a draftable guy. So I, I wasn't really high on him, like other people, but I think a, a position change would be like, you know, he could be like tight end one out of this class and be really good there. Or, oh, a big slot, or a big slot, like somebody that plays more of a big slot move tight end role.
2: Right. I think that's the best way to put it, is just like a move tight end. And if he can hold his own in the blocking scheme, then so be it. But, I mean, it's just like being a tight end or, you know, big slot, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't mean he's not going to catch passes. It doesn't mean he's not going to produce. It doesn't mean he's not going to put up wide receiver numbers like it just means he's a bigger guy They can probably get away with putting him inside and having him chip or block more often and it is what it is you, you know is somebody worried about the fact that George Kittle's not called a wide receiver like the dude still dominates and so if somebody decides that they think this guy's a tight could be a better tight end then so be it I mean if the guy's going to produce he's going to produce and you know it is what it is and, and I kind of see the same thing when I watch Claypool is he's just a, a bigger dude and and that's the thing. With, like, what you said is, is what I felt. Like, you just watch him. He looks like a tight end. You know, he just he just looks like a, if no one told you he was a wide receiver and you really didn't pay attention to where he was lining up, he would look like, a, you know, a, a, an athletic tight end catching the ball. So, I don't know. Anyways. Um Jameson, he wants to know top three wide receivers that fit the 49ers offense, not named C D Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs? What do you think? I mean you got you got your top twenty wide receivers? I'll let you take this one. What do you think?
3: I think anybody. I mean, really, if if somebody has a specific skill set, um, they can complement whatever you have. So you know, even did he he just said the top three guys. So I mean, like Mims. I think Mims would be you know excellent as an outside receiver, um, not having to do a lot of the dirty work. He, you know, not having to be a high high volume. A uh, target guy, but somebody that can you know stretch the field, open things up, you know catch the deep crossers, uh, you know do some of those things. I think he'd be probably really good in that role for the 49ers. Uh, a guy that you know is a little bit more like Debo Samuel. Actually, I think I would say he's a little bit better of a prospect coming out. Uh, is uh, um I'm, 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 why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Reger Reger uh, from TCU. Um, another guy who, you know, 49ers are missing speed, right? K.J. Hamler. Or, yeah, K.J. Hamler from Penn State, the receiver. Um, he complimented the 49ers because they don't have that speed guy. And I don't know how fast he really runs because he didn't go to the combine, but I so saw him outrun everybody at Ohio State. <laughs> so, you know, definitely the kid can run. So, you know, it just depends on what you're looking for. There are a bunch of guys that can really, like, fit uh, a different need for the 49 even like a Michael Pittman, right, 49ers. I mean, unless her comes back and he's just that guy, and I think her can be like this guy, but Michael Pittman. Um, you know, it, it just depends on what what you're looking for and how you want. What do you want to put around Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne?
2: Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that. I mean, Kyle Shanahan obviously has his type. You know, he it seems like he prefers the the shiftier, quicker guys that that have no problem getting open. But at the same time, maybe that's because he just hasn't found someone that he liked enough to go a different direction. You know, maybe he's, maybe now he's looking for a guy that, like, hey, man, if it's third and eight and the Super Bowl is on the line, who are we going to throw it up to? You know, we got George Kittle. I need somebody else that I'm going to be able to do the same thing with. You know, and so that's, you know, it just depends. It just depends. But I think any receiver can have their fit. It just depends on what the offense feels like it needs at that point. But all right, so before we carry on, uh, we got to get a quick word in from our sponsors, Bet Online, because currently there's no NBA. There's no HL, There's no MLB. That might lead you to think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you're wrong. Okay. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker, blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Are you missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day, and it's all online, so you can stay at home like you're supposed to. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online your online wagering solution. Okay, so we're cruising on with our mailbag. John seventy one wants to know if Ruggs, if Henry Ruggs, C J Henderson, Javon Kinlaw, or one of the big four offensive linemen fall to thirteen, and a trade offer comes in, what is the minimum the Niners need to pass on these guys? Okay, so basically what John is asking is. You have, these, you have these guys that would be able to step in right away, start for the 49ers. Henry Ruggs would be an outstanding complement to uh, Debo Samuel. They have very good contrasting skill sets. Henry Ruggs is a, a, a burner who, who does other things well too. C.J. Henderson, obviously Crocker's cornerback one, um, would probably step in and start opposite Richard Sherman right away, even despite the fact that Emmanuel Mosley showed out pretty well. Javon Kinlaw um, is a huge... You know, a, a guy who kind of looks like DeForest Buckner, and the fact that he's 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 in decent shape. He's not a big offensive lineman, but he's muscular. He's got long arms. He he kind of plays along that same type of style, and he's probably somebody that would step in right away and start in Buckner's place. So you're you're passing essentially, or along with the four offensive linemen, you're, you're you'd essentially be passing on somebody who you know could step in and start right away with good results, or what they would expect to be good results. So what's the minimum the Niners need? To me, I would say that depends on where they're trading back from. If they're only dropping back three spots and maybe one of those guys is still there, then maybe all they need is like a third rounder. To me, if I'm trading out of the first round and I'm jeopardizing kind of that, you know, that foundational player, that that difference maker that John Lynch talked about, I mean, we gotta at least be talking about a second rounder. You know, like one of those, to me, second or third rounder, one of those those day one or, or, excuse me, day two two rounds that the 49ers don't have anything from. But like I said, that's going to depend on how far back you're trading. Let's say it's the Patriots trying to jump up for a QB that fell or something, and they're all the way back in the 20s. Then you're talking, hey, give me your first rounder next year and give me your third rounder this year, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know. What do you think, Crump? Croc probably muted himself, not thinking he was going to have to talk for a while. Okay, there
3: we go. Yeah, I, all right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that the, that you mentioned the Patriots needing a quarterback, and for whatever reason, that just kind of slips my mind, right? Like, right, it just it's like, Tom Brady. No, it's a real thing, the though. It's a real thing. Their quarterback right now is Stidham. I don't even know his first name, but that's their quarterback right now.
2: I think they, um, they signed Brian
3: Hoyer. Okay, Hoyer. That's their right, quarterback. Right, right. Not <laughs> that
2: that changes anything. <laughs> you uh,
3: know? Um, so they are they aren't they are not in an ideal situation at quarterback. So I could definitely see them trying to trade up. But if they do, um, especially with their what pick twenty three maybe Pick twenty two twenty three yeah somewhere in there. Um, and they want to move up ten spots to get a quarterback. I'm gonna need twenty three. Uh, and probably a, a, a number two because that's me moving back ten spots. So I, I'm right. gonna need twenty three. A, 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 a round two, and then even I might even have to. Hey, you're gonna have to throw in a like a fourth and a fifth. I would have to look at the draft chart to kind of see what that's worth. But I'm I'm gonna need it. I'm gonna need something for you to move up ten spots to grab a quarterback right. that you want um, right. at that high. Because we're talking about we're not talking about moving up ten spots from you know 30 to 20 or from 41 to 31. Like we're talking about moving to 13 where essentially there's still a lot of elite talented guys on the board right that have very um unique skill sets and you know if you when you're at 13 it's like man i could take one of these guys and these guys are you know likely day one type starters right high impact that's why that's how that's why you're picking that high um yeah i'm gonna need something good i i, I can't i don't care what you've done for me in the past i threw you a bone when i gave you a a starting with tackle. So um, yeah, come on. I need, I, I, I'm going to need a few picks. <laughs>
2: I'm going to need that bread. Um, okay. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I was going heavier than you. If I'm trading back that far, I want your first next year. I want your third this year. Like, you know, especially if you know that they're coming up for a quarterback, then you can kind of get a little bit more because it's that position that you know they need. It's the most important position in football. You know, you, could, you can get him for a little bit more. Um, okay. Um, Dwight K. Schrute, my favorite character from The Office, he wants to know, do you really think uh, Jaquisky Tart, Quan Alexander, or D. Ford will be on the move? I don't know, man. Tart is surprising. He's in the last year of his deal, but he's played really well. He's somebody that, I mean, I would try to keep around. Quan Alexander is such he's already established himself as such a, a big leader, although the, you know and they are they just restructured his contract in a way that doesn't make it all that appealing for other teams. You know they took a lot of his, his the bonus money or money he was due now and moved it back into the back end of the deal. D Ford is the one that I could definitely see being on the move. He didn't play as much as they wanted him to. but at the same time when he's on the field, John Lynch said uh, yesterday in his press conference, you know he transforms the defense and that's 100 percent correct. Uh, so, I mean, I would be surprised if they traded any of those three. But, I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say D Ford. But I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. Crocker, thoughts?
3: Well, I think D Ford is the one where you probably get the most for him just because he right. like, has pressure. And at the end of the day, regardless of, you know, uh, if he doesn't play a ton of snaps or whatever, like, he, he's a he's a difference maker. Uh, I think outside of that, the other guys, they're just – not as valuable. Like even, you know, Jacqueline Tart, who I, I really like, I think he's a very solid starter. But if the 49ers traded him for a fourth round pick, all right, I'm higher on Marcel Harris than most guys anyway. So, and I think Harris gets a bad rap. He had a rough go against Drew Brees <laughs> and the Saints, you know, outside of that, nobody can bring up any other times last year where. Was like, oh, man, he's the, he's the issue. He's the problem. They played well against the Falcons. They played well against the Rams. Um, and they played well against the Seahawks. And he was playing in all of those games. So I think Marcel Harris is a hell of a football player that had a rough go against the Saints. And if maybe the team saw the same thing or, like, you know what, Tarts injured a lot anyways, let's go with this young guy or maybe even draft a strong safety in the draft or somebody to kind of fill that type of role. But uh, – yeah, uh, I mean, I, I like Tart as a starter, you know, especially when he's healthy. Uh, the Quan Alexander one was very interesting, but it's not when you think of how well Drake Greenlaw played. But it sounds like uh, John Lynch, he kind of just said, "No, nah, that stuff's basically not true," and the only person that's getting traded is Marquise Goodwin.
2: <laughs> so, right? Yeah. If and if you if you missed that. John Lynch had his press conference yesterday, and he was asked about those players, and he said exactly what Crocker just said. He's like, no, we like all those guys. We're looking forward to playing with them. Um, but Marquise Goodwin's for sale. Like, literally just kind of threw it out there. He's like, no, we've been trying to trade Marquise Goodwin, and, you know, we've gotten close a couple times, but it hasn't worked out. And, and the way he worded it and the way he said it, it sounded like it was kind of imminent. Like, he figured, he, you know, he knows maybe he's already got a deal he hasn't taken yet. He, he, he just, it seems like he... He knows that's coming. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, But it's, you know, that's interesting. And, and the Marquis Goodwin thing is, is much more, I don't want to say believable, but predictable. Like, you know, everybody kind of saw that coming. He was a healthy scratch last year a couple of times. So it, was, it is what it is. You know, things just kind of fall out that way. Um, Okay, moving on. We have Sam Granger wants to know, going off his tape coming out, Crocker, this one's for you. Where would you rank Debo Samuel among your top right receivers
3: this year? Uh, He'd be right at about eight, I think.
2: Um, Uh, So you have a
3: a high opinion of this year's class? Yeah, yeah. Now, I think DK would still be high. I think DK would still probably be in my top three. But Debo would slide down a little bit. And like I said, I think that rigor – is a little bit better all around. I think he's a little quicker, a little uh, shiftier, uh, you know, a little faster. He's just a little bit – everything just a little bit better. Um, So I'd have to put him right behind Rager, who I think I have Rager at 7, I believe. So I think he'd be kind of slotted in there at 8 right before, I think, Ayuk. Do I have Ayuk at 9? I have to look at – no, I have Isaiah Hodgins. I think I like him more than I use, though, so Interesting. he'd be he be he'd in there have, between six I think and eight. He would have had him higher. Yeah, he he'd be right there around six, like between six and eight, and that was my okay. draft pick. So and that yeah, I think that that kind of shows like the different type of talent that you know. You, I mean, but there's like different things, right? Like say so, say like Brian Edwards, who I have at wide receiver five. He did a lot of similar things as Debo and looked a lot like him, like with his movement skills, but he's six three two fifteen, so. You know, you see what I'm saying? So, like, that's just kind of a, a better prospect. You know, he's just right, bigger, right. and I get the same stuff. You know, the end of rounds, that he did, he ran a ton of end the rounds. So, you get the end of rounds, you get, you know, the jump balls. Like, they, my buddy hit me and said they timed the same. Their mile per hour that they hit in games was the same. So, you're getting a lot of the same stuff, but just, like, a jumbo-sized version of them. So, obviously, he'd be the better prospect, you know, higher on my rankings. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
2: So to me that's just you know with with how high the Be- air Eric Crocker was on Debo Samuel before the forty nine ers drafted him and, and how well of a season he had, you know, it's it's uh it's interesting. I think that uh, you know that just tells you how how solid this this receiver class is. So all right. Um Brendan Panicker says regardless sorry I've been slaughtered your name, bro. Uh, regardless of who's available at thirteen. He thinks 49ers are going to trade down from 13 and 31 to recoup some picks. Who's your most ideal trade partner for 13? So, if you take a look at the draft order, the 49ers pick at 13. Um, Then you have the Bucks, the Broncos, the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, um, the Raiders, Jaguars, Eagles. We're at 21 now. Vikings at 22. Patriots at 23. It's tough to say, you know, without without really like knowing those teams needs and the odds of them trading up. I know I've heard a lot about the Falcons wanting to trade up. um, And I've heard about the Broncos wanting to trade up both of them for, you know, I've heard a lot of receiver talk. Um, I I don't know, but I mean, it it seems less likely with the the Broncos just because they are only two spots behind, behind the 49ers. So, you know, what would they be gaining by jumping the Buccaneers? I don't know. The Falcons, on the other hand, maybe that they've caught wind, that the, the Broncos are trying to trade up. Maybe they feel like they need to jump the Broncos, and maybe they're calling the 49ers, and that only moves the 49ers back from 13 to 16. Maybe you can get a third rounder, and boom. You know, and, and the odds are good that somebody you like still going to be on the board. You're still in that top half. So, I mean, you know, that's obviously, I think, some of them like one of the most ideal trade trade partners because of where it keeps you picking. Um, somebody like we talked about earlier like the Patriots, if you're gonna trade with them, they better fork it over and you better get a lot because you're sacrificing you know that's 10 players that are gonna go in between you and where you were picking so or you know where you were picking and between picking now so it's it's tough man I mean I, I'm not sure it's just hard to name any more ideal trade partners given I don't know if these guys are even looking to trade up. But I'd say anything that keeps you inside the top 20, top, top 16, 17, is, is still a win for the 49ers considering, you know, what they'll be able to gain from that. Because the idea is, you know, if you're going to lose a player like DeForest Buckner and you better be be able to make that pick have a pretty good impact and trading back once and, and make, turning it into two or three players or whatever, you know, that's the only way you're going to do that. So I don't know. I don't know. Crocky, got any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard, like you said, without knowing, like, who's on the board and, you know, but I think, you know, since I like Justin Jefferson so much, if the 49ers were able to, you know, if they were looking to kind of get a receiver but still be able to kind of recruit picks, um, I think you can move back to maybe 17 with the Cowboys and then maybe right around, like, right before the Eagles pick, and I think you can still get um Justin Jefferson and that would be cool because you'd probably get it, you know, at a third or, you know, a third and a fourth. So you'd have, you know, a couple more mid-round picks and still grab a guy who I think would be, um, definitely really good in the 49ers of offense. So, um, you know, something like that would make sense for me. Uh, just kind of stay ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, Muhammad Halabi, who, what do
2: you think are the first three positions drafted by the Niners? Go. Said, what? what? What do you think the What do you think of the first three positions drafted by the Niners? Let's say, let's just say for this, just so it makes it easier to think about. Um, they trade back. They end up with three picks in the first three rounds. You know, one in the first one. Yeah, you know, whatever. We'll just say, we'll just say that. What do you think the first three positions they draft? Uh,
3: defensive tackle, offensive guard. Or offensive lineman and receiver.
2: Yeah, that's probably what I'm going. I think I'd probably go corner in there somewhere. But it's did you say defensive back or defensive tackle?
3: Uh, defensive tackle first. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's yeah, somewhere in there. I, I really think that they're that first. I, I would be really surprised if they didn't go corner in one of those first two picks. But you know, that could be something they might be lining themselves up to go next year. Okay, you go Medina. Do either of you think the 49ers' current depth can hold the missing piece of Buckner? So the guys they currently have on the roster, can they absorb the impact left by DeForest Buckner? Ah, uh, man.
3: I'm going to say no. I mean, he's so good, you know. Right. He was so good. Uh, the impact. I, I, okay, if, if D Ford is good. And if D Ford is what we think he can be, right, or what he should be, or be more consistently <laughs> what he is when he's good, like when he's on the field, then I don't think there will be a drop off. But if D Ford is not, which everything that says when he plays is good, but if he's not that guy, then I think there will be a, a significant hit. So I think a lot of it, I, I don't think it, you know, I think Bosa is Bosa. I think Armstead's really good. I think DJ Jones, went healthy, he's really good. But I think when you, if you want to be like kind of what they were last year, you need you need D Ford to kind of step up and actually, you know, play more snaps than 200 for an entire season. And if he does that, and he's D Ford, and he brings you, you know, 14 sacks or whatever, then I think like yeah, I don't think any, I think everybody's gonna eat. I think Armstead's gonna eat, Ford's gonna eat, Post is gonna eat. But if if D4 isn't D4, then I think we might end up, you know, really kind of. I think it would be fine, but I, I think you'll feel the absence of Buckner more.
2: My biggest player in the race to pick up the slack for Buckner is DJ Jones. I think that he has, in limited action, shown a lot. You know, obviously he did get injured. We'll see uh, how much that affects him. But if he can successfully step into that starting role and play – now, obviously, you're not going to play as many snaps as DeForest Buckner. That guy essentially played every single snap. Unreal production from that guy. Um, but if he can step in and soak up the majority of those snaps, I do not think there will be that big of a drop-off. I think that they there will be a drop-off, but I have a pretty high opinion of DJ Jones. I think he can, you know, really kind of at least make you forget – Buckner was there, and, and you know, and, and that doesn't mean he's completely doing everything, but mean he, he won't be a liability. So, I think that's their biggest player when it comes to that spot. And it's a pity that we're not mentioning Solomon Thomas, but I just at this point I, I'm just not really sure what to expect of him. So, to me, my biggest X factor when it comes to replacing Buckner is is DJ Jones, and if he can stay healthy and he can log starting defensive lineman snaps, then I think the 49ers will be pretty good. Um all right, Zach Van Dyke could drafting another athletic pass catching tight end later in the draft alleviate the need for drafting a wide receiver early on, giving us more capital to fill other needs. Can always get a burner guy later in the draft. Um it could, like like I was saying earlier, like it's you're getting if you if you're going to get a guy that's a playmaker that can make plays that you can throw the ball to and make plays, then it could alleviate that need a little bit. Now, to me, you're still okay. So you have Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, and who else? Travis Benjamin? No, don't say that. You know, like you're still like a big, you know, a big void there left by Emmanuel Sanders. That's why they traded for him in the first place. So I mean, I, I think that they they are looking for an, a move tight end or somebody that can have an impact opposite Kittle. I think Kyle Shanahan's probably got all nifty, kinds of nifty ideas for that spot. And I think that if you're going to draft a guy like that, say a Michael Pittman or Chase Claypool, who we were just talking about, somebody big that might be able to hold up inside, then, yeah. I mean, it's like you're drafting another receiver because it's the guy to make plays, you know, with the balls in the air. So I don't know. What do you think, then?
3: Yeah, and you know, I kind of started coming along on the whole thought process of a, of a tight end. But, you know, just when, you know, people started throwing around like O.J. Howard and, you know, Evan Ingram, you know, <laughs> some of those guys, and how, you know, they can kind of transform their offense. 49ers are like a 21-heavy personnel team anyways. Maybe they'll go to more like, you know, two tight end sets, which it's still tough because I feel like check they use him as a, kind of like a tight end kind of, you know, he's a pass catcher. So it, I don't know. I mean, None of it really makes sense to me, but they've been sniffing <laughs> around tight ends. So, you know, I I guess I, I, I could see. But I don't know about passing up a receiver for a tight end later because, I mean, I don't know. You, usually you really kind of hear about some of these athletic tight ends in this class. And I, I think I can only name one tight end in this entire class, and that's Chase Claypool. <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, hey, now if he's Chase Claypool, which I've been doing that in mock drafts where I've drafted him in the third round, and and hey, he's gonna play tight end for me. Like that's that's great. But that, I don't, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's not a strong tight end class. And if you're if you're really looking at the draft, I mean, and like you said, maybe they they kind of get creative. But uh, another guy on Crocker's ri- radar, um, Pete uh, Vigna. I think you say you say your last name. He would like to hear Eric's thoughts on Brian Edwards' possible fit with the Niners and if, and how, chemistry with Debo at USC could benefit the team. No, yeah, South Carolina. Um, And he said he wanted Eric's Eric's thoughts, so I see how it is. Pete, I will not give you my thoughts, and I will turn over the mic to Eric Kroger.
3: Yeah, no, um, Brian Edwards, man, I really like him, you know, and especially if you think of – you know, Debo has more of like a Z. I think Brian Edwards is like definitely like an X receiver. He has quick quickness, twitchiness, um, really strong hands. You know, he can kind of stretch the field down the sideline. Uh, it's kind of weird because like I said, he's 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 really Debo Samuel, but just like a jumbo sized version of him. But yeah, I mean, I, I would really like him. I, I still think you would kind of like look for that. Who's gonna be the burner? Right? Like, you know, who who's going to be that guy that steps up know, I mean, we've been talking about Richie James for a couple of years now. You know, when is he going to get his opportunity? But if they can get somebody that kind of like really kind of turn into that guy that stretches the field with speed, then you have Debo and Brian Edwards. That's I think they play, they play very well off of each other. I, I think that will be really good. I, I really like it. I don't think that they'll do it, but I, I like it. And I think he's going to be somebody that's around, like in the third or fourth round. And he was my wide receiver of five. So um yeah, that's somebody I really like. And I think they'll they'll like the the person he is, but did they meet with him or anything? Like was there any Zoom meetings with him?
2: I haven't I haven't heard anything, man. Yeah. Hey, you realize that you hit uh twenty thousand followers today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I, just, uh, I I, I, just, I just dragged the mouse over your name when I was scrolling through the mentions, and I was like, "Oh shit, 20,000. Know, congrats, dude. Oh congrats, yeah, 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 you heard it. Thank um, you, uh, what am I looking at here?
3: I was gonna announce it with the website, which I haven't really announced the website yet. But don't worry it. about it. Yeah, don't worry
2: no. about it. You guys didn't hear nothing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's coming soon. You guys see, it's pretty cool.
2: Um. Except for that shitty logo. If if, <laughs> if the team was to make an oh, this is Jed. If the team was to make an unexpected pick, either via a trade down or at thirteen, what would you expect it to be? Ooh, that's a good question.
3: Um For Jeff Okuda. Like trading up after him? Wait, is that what they said? Like, if the team was to make an unexpected – or wait, wait, repeat the question. If
2: the 49ers were to make an unexpected pick, whether that was after they traded down or at 13, what would you expect it to be? So, like, what position could the 49ers pick that you just don't really expect? Uh, To me, I'm going to go with, like, an edge rusher. Um, I think that is kind of being overlooked. And if the 49ers are looking to trade D Ford and if they do work something out – then maybe somebody like, uh, I think his name's Clavon Chasen. I, I don't yeah. necessarily know how to. Chase,
3: Chase Young. Or yeah.
2: Ch- yeah. He, he, an edge guy at LSU, he's right there at that value. You know, he might still be on the board. And this isn't, you know, other than um, Chase Young, there's, it's kind of the, the majority of the edge rusher class is more mid first round talent. So I could see them trading back. And if they get somebody interested in D forward – I could see them going with an edge guy and saying, okay, we got Nick Bosa. We got a brand-new rookie. Like, let's let's go at it, you know, and, and that would save them a lot of money and salary cap if they work something out with D4. That's kind of my – and maybe they still take a guy like that, you know. Maybe they, they trade back quite a ways and they go with uh, – uh, what's the guy? uh, AJ Epinesa, however you say his name. Um, He's kind of a guy that's a lot like – Eric Armstead ish. Like he's like a, a big edge dude that might end up playing inside. So that's my surprise. What do you think, man? Uh
3: a surprise pick at thirteen or a trade back. I would say uh, uh a trade back and then draft like
1: a safety.
3: You know, like that that would be or the linebackers. There's supposed to be some really good linebackers. Um I can't think of their names off the top of my head right now. I've been like so into the receivers and DBs. But I think there's supposed to be some really good linebackers. And if Quan Alexander is somebody that oh, – but there's Greenlaw. Like, linebacker would surprise me. That would surprise me. But then you never know what they're trying to do. And I think Salah is somebody that always tries to um, make the defense kind of versatile and kind of – he. it looks like he does a pretty good job of changing with the times. So you know, if they wanted to do something that was like different and draft a linebacker, it would be very surprising. But um, yeah, ers are
2: okay. going to draft a running back and everybody's going to lose their mind. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, that would be <laughs>
3: awesome.
2: <laughs> it would just be amazing to see the reactions. But DeAndre Swift, what? Yeah.
3: You know, I like yeah. I like him so.
2: No, I do too. But I mean, it would just be it would blow so many.
3: So many minds. Okay. There's some guys on Twitter that for sure would be extremely upset. There's some oh, guys yeah. that are like super anti running back. I know, I know, man.
2: There's a whole like part of Twitter that's anti big running backs. You know, they don't want to pay running backs, they don't want to draft them early. Like there's a whole like group of Twitter dedicated to yelling at everybody who likes running backs enough to pay them. Like I saw a bunch of people freaking out when they paid Christian McCaffrey his money. I was like, "Are you serious? Like people are freaking out about this? Like the dude's like a a thousand yard receiver, thousand yard rusher, like one of the most dynamic players in the NFL right now. People don't even want to pay that guy. Right. I'm like, I'm like, man, like I would pay, I would have paid him what they paid him in a heartbeat. I know it's a lot of money, but that guy is like he is a freaking Ferrari engine in the center of your offense. Like I, I don't know, man. I I don't got a problem paying a guy like that anytime ever. You know." Right. Just look at the numbers. Does he score touchdowns? Oh, he does? Okay. You know, I'm like, this is how you win games. But anyways, I'm, I'm going off track. So, Charmando, who should the 49ers target in the second and third rounds if they trade out of the two first rounders? Uh, like I said, I, I think they need to get a cornerback. If if they end up with a first, second, third round pick, I think one of them has to be a corner. They're just like they're on a precipice at that position with Richard Sherman one more year, and he's a little older. Could he get hurt? Who's going to step in? Keller Witherspoon hasn't been great one more year. Emmanuel Sanders still kind of working himself into that spot, undrafted free agent with one more year. Uh, dude, it's it's like seems like that would. Have to be it. I still am going to feel like they have to take a receiver because, like I said, it's Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, and you're hoping one of those other guys works out, you know, stuff like that. So just removing the uncertainty and getting yourself some solid players. What do you think, Kroc? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't really have much to add to that. Okay, so we're moving on to Jim Nestman. Great job, guys. What do you guys think of this pick? 13. Take Chase on. <laughs> hey, good timing there, Jim. Right. Um, right. Trade Ford and Goodwin for picks. And trade 31 plus a future pick for Odell Beckham Jr. Chaseon has more power and he's healthy and can play more downs, unlocking our pass trust for years to come with Bosa. I mean, shit, man. If they could pull all that off, you would not see me complaining. You know, yeah, I'm not very huge on the OBJ and everything that's coming with him nowadays, right. but I mean, I don't know, man, getting a guy like Odell Beckham, maybe he would finally settle into a, he could finally settle into a place where he could be what he's meant to be, and in an offense like Shanahan, I think Shanahan loves him, and what he can do on the field, you know, a lot of things would kind of have to go right, obviously, for that to happen, but
3: what do you think, man? Yeah, I'm, um you know I'm a big Odell Beckham guy, but I, I've kind of soured on that whole thing a, a little bit to the point where I wouldn't give up pick thirty-one. Um, yeah. I, I forgot the entire question, but I know I got got up in it's, a whole. Deal. I know so, Chase Young, I know he wanted Chase, I know he wanted uh, the edge rusher at thirteen. Right. And, oh, okay, trading, I, I remember what I was going to
2: say. Trading Marquise Goodwin, so you get picks for those guys. And then you're using 31 plus a future pick. I don't think you would need the future pick. I think if you called the right. Browns and said, I'll give you pick 31 for Odell, they would do it. Um, considering his contract, too. So that's everything. That's that's the...
3: Right. That's, and it sounds like a lot of the moves they're making is to, you know, alleviate, like, cap space. You know, they want to kind of, like, open things up. So um, to kind of, you know, all I'm going to trade these guys to open up cap space, but then bringing Odell Beckham, you know, just... To me, it doesn't make uh, sense, especially since you're kind of locked into him for a while. Like now, if it's a situation where, like, you know, you want to bring in Jadevian Clowney for the year, that's a little different, right? You know, okay, I'm going to get rid of D4, you know, which was kind of, you know, he's kind of year to year right now. You know, you know, but I'm going to sign Clowney, you know, for this year to get through. And, then, you know, we'll figure out, you know, another edge rusher from there. Like, that would kind of make a little bit more sense to me.
2: Right. Yeah, no, that's an interesting scenario. I think that, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that would need to happen for that to be a reality, but I mean, that's pretty sweet. That would, there would, I would be pretty impressed with John Lynch if he pulled all that off. I'm, I'm not even saying that it would, it would work out. Who knows? But it would, it's a lot of moves and they all kind of make a little bit of sense. So it's just an interesting scenario. I like it. Okay. Joshua has, looks like at least two questions. Do you think trading Matt Breida and a fifth? secures Evan Ingram, and two, do you think Lynch will approach wide receivers this year like he did with safety last year, a.k.a. not picking one in the draft, (laughs) although all throughout 19, fans were begging Lynch to sign Earl Thomas from free agency and draft Nasir Adderley. Um, Okay, so first one, do you think trading Matt Breida and a fifth-rounder secures Evan Ingram? No. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah.
3: I don't, do you think the 49ers say no or the Giants say no? I think the Giants say no. You know, like, I think so. You know, we used a first-round pick on this guy, and, you know, this is a uh, a running back, like, y'all didn't even use, like, last year. You know, I, I think maybe the Breida top. and a third maybe would do it.
2: You know, I don't know. I, it would have to be more than a fifth because that would be a little just kind of embarrassing for them, you know, to – I mean, obviously Breida has proven that he can be a pretty good running back, but like Carter just said, he was – there was a reason Shanahan wasn't using him a lot at the end of the year. You know, it's not just right. because he likes to stash good players. He was fumbling the football and whatever else was going on. So, um, the other question was do you think the 49ers are just not going to draft a wide receiver this year? No.
3: No. <laughs> so, remember, I I called it, remember, I was like, they're not going to draft. Remember, I was saying it. Oh, they're not going to draft corner or safety. I remember, I think I did
1: it. I did a thread
3: that. on, um, on uh, uh, Juan Thornhill who I love, right? He was my favorite defensive back in the entire draft, and I was like, um, you know, I, I don't think the 49ers will draft safety, but, you know, that's not going to stop me from doing a threat on this guy who I think is very talented. And everybody was like, they're not going to draft to safety. like I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to draft corner either. And I did mocks, and um, I did a final mock, which I actually do a final mock tomorrow as well, um, where I, you know, I, I have, like, the graphics. I, You know, I do a whole little breakdown. I did it last year. Um but even in that, I didn't have the 49ers taking a corner at all. And people were just like, what? And no, was, and I, you know, I agree
2: with you. I, th- I just thought there was too much that the team still needed to figure out to throw somebody else into that mix. You know? Right. Like,
3: now, they did forward. end up getting Tim Harris, but, I mean, once I saw him, I'm like, this dude don't even – I kept looking like, who is this Harris dude? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and they ended up being him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, get this dude out of here. And I think to, instead of cutting him, they just put him on IR. Um, and kind of basically used it as, like, a redshirt season. But, yeah, that, I yeah. I, I was saying, though, like, I don't know about corner. And so this year, I don't get that sense. I definitely think that they have to address receiver. Now, to what extent, I don't know. I think you have to get a guy because I think we just got – we have bodies. Like, you know like – not, not a guy guy, just a guy. You got, no, no, you got to get a guy guy kind of, right? I mean, <laughs> you have an opportunity to do that because you, you, you have – dudes, we have bodies, and you have uncertainty. Like, you you have that. So I don't think you just draft somebody. Oh, I'm going to just draft somebody in the third or fourth round to compete with Trent Taylor, um, you know, Dante Pettis. Like, you know, like, I, I think you draft somebody, you know, at 31, you know, at the latest, or if you trade back to the second round and you want to grab somebody that you feel, you know what, this guy's going to come in right away, and we're going to get him involved just, you know, like we, how we did with Debo Samuel. Because I, I can't see them just taking a swing at somebody and making that person have to – unless they're higher on these guys than I am, you know. Maybe they're like, well, right. we'll just draft somebody to compete. But then it's like that will be a wasted pick in a, round, in a draft where you don't have a lot of picks. Right. Yeah.
2: I'm on board. I agree. I agree. Okay. We've got used GOAT, the real used GOAT. Uh, I know Eric has LSU Justin Jefferson as the number three wide receiver, and I've seen him number four often, but I would kind of hate him in the first round. Please <laughs> gently explain why I'm so wrong so I feel better if we take him. Seems like a slot-only guy or scheme-reliant. Um, if I was gently explaining this to you, I would kind of harken back to what I said earlier and say, Justin Jefferson, like what Crocker said, he's a very good all-around wide receiver. He doesn't suck at any part of his job. He's good at almost every part of his job. And I feel like if your goal is to not miss on a pick, he's pretty safe for a wide receiver. There are so many first-round wide receivers that don't work out. There are a ton of, you know, second and third-round wide receivers that do work out. There's probably just as many that don't work out. But, you know, what you don't want is drafting a guy in the first round that never ends up contributing. And, you you know, you let him roll through his rookie contract, and then he doesn't come back you know you don't that's not what you want in a player like that I feel like Justin Jefferson he might not be I feel like CeeDee Lamb Jerry Duty to me like wide receiver 1 caliber players the odds are good that they can be a wide receiver 1 still chance they bust Henry Ruggs decent chance of being a wide receiver 1 he's just you know it just depends on how he kind of ends up developing and I don't feel like Justin Jefferson has wide receiver 1 potential maybe a little bit but I feel like he's going to be very, very solid. A receiver that you have on your team for eight years because he just keeps footing up 700 yards and, and six touchdowns every year. Maybe he does better than that sometimes. Maybe he creeps up on 1,000 yards. You know, that's just how I look at him. What do you think, dude?
3: Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, very well rounded. And I think people try to pigeonhole him into just being a slot, but. I mean, he played outside all of 2018. Now, he's a better slot than the outside guy, but he has the ability to be able to win on the outside, you know, with his routes and, with you know, with his um, fast enough speed that he plays with. Um, he's just really he, – I think the 49ers, you know, he's like ideal Z. And if they're looking for somebody to replace Emmanuel Sanders or kind of feel like that type of uh, role, you know, he's somebody that lined up in a lot of tight splits. Um especially at uh, at LSU. He's a really good blocker, um, and he does all the dirty work over there. That the he's is a really
2: huge tough. deal in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I don't think Kyle Shanahan would draft a receiver because he's a good blocker, but he'll draft a receiver over another one easily because he blocks his ass off. You know, like so many of Kyle Shanahan's plays go out to the outside where they need, you know, the difference between 10 yards and 50 yards is if that receiver gets his block. You know, like he has a lot of plays like that. So if, if you got a receiver that can block, I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan's already taken note of it. You got anything else on that one, dude? Nah, nah. Nah, nah, nah. All right. West Coast says, What do you think of who do you think are the six foundational players John Lynch was talking about? Okay. So let me find a big board here. Got one. Uh, now, he said there are six foundational players that would like force them to, to pick at six. Now, what I don't think we should get that confused with is six players that he believes will be available to him. I don't think he means that. He's saying there's six guys that, have, and maybe he's not even talking about corners. Um, Maybe he's just, or excuse me, I said corners, I meant quarterbacks, you know, because they might have taken that off the board given they got Jimmy G. They they probably, if Joe Burrow falls to them, yeah, I think they'd probably draft him. But, um, you know, if you look at a big board, obviously somebody like Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, there's three right there. That should be, those are like the top consensus top three on, you know, non-quarterbacks on everybody's big board. If those aren't among John Lynch's foundational players, I don't know. You know, and then you kind of go from there. Probably, there's probably an offensive lineman on there. They might be two offensive linemen on there. They might not even be a receiver on there. You know, uh, let's say my six, just to rattle them off: Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle out of Bama. Uh, probably also Tristan Rohrs, offensive tackle out of Iowa. Um, maybe Javon Kinlaw, maybe Jerry Judy, maybe Derek Brown. You know, there might there might not be even be a receiver in there. So, what do you think, right. dude?
3: Nah, yeah, I, it's yeah, it's just kind of hard to know. Like, is he talking about you know for the Forty ers guys that he expects to be there, or just in general? Right.
2: Um, I'm assuming so, he means in general. Otherwise, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, it's it's just it's an odd statement, and you know how do you pair it up? Right. So okay, darkness. If if Javon Kinlaw defensive tackle out of South Carolina falls to the 49ers at 13. I'm going to be so angry if they pass unless it's a really great trade down. Why pass on him especially when he wants to play here? Yeah, he mentioned on something I can't remember that he that he uh that he wanted to play for the 49ers, but I mean everybody wants to play for everybody with an early draft pick. <laughs> um, right. So, I mean, I, I mean I'm not going to be mad if they pass on him, but you know, I, I'll understand why they take him. Just depends on who's there. Just depends on who's there. What
3: do you think, man? I'm all for taking good football players. So, I mean, if they said they pass on him for c Lamb, or, you know, it's like, all right, you know, you project him to be a really good football player. So, yeah, I, I typically – there aren't – I think the only time I really disagree with the 49ers pick was Solomon Thomas. Outside of that, I'm usually really – A wait and see type guy. And they've passed on guys that I really like. I mean, I think I I was so high on Minka Fitzpatrick. And we just saw he was uh, all pro safety. I loved Minka and I was like, that's the guy. And they passed on him for a tackle. And I was like, well, you know, just hopefully he's as good as they say, you know. And I think the things I struggle with with that was all the reports were saying. Well, he's a better run blocker than pass blocker. And it's like, man, you drafted this guy at nine that isn't a good pass protector. Uh, but I I still even then I was like, Okay, well we'll we'll wait and see like how it plays out. So I'm typically not too like, Oh, why'd they draft this guy? The only time I was really like that was with Solomon Thomas. Right. I agree with that. Oh, and uh and, and uh uh Josh Garnett when, when they drafted him and and um And Michael Thomas was on the board. I I know I was upset about that.
2: You were a big Michael Thomas guy beforehand?
3: Oh, yeah. I thought he was wide receiver one in that class, and I didn't understand why he was so low. And I think I heard, or heard, like, you know, just listening, you know, watching, looking at Twitter and stuff like that, I think they were saying he struggled to, like, pick up a playbook or something. Like, they were trying to say he was, like, stupid or something. Um, Well, I mean, they all regret it now. Yeah, so I, I didn't. I, I clear I, I had no idea why he was falling the way he was. I thought he was the best receiver, six three two fifteen. I thought he had, you know, solid routes. I thought he was good after the catch. There was a lot to like about him. I liked him more than Josh Doxson and Corey Coleman, who I was like, that's just a guy that really runs fast. I thought his routes were terrible. Um, yeah, I, I was Laquan mil will. I thought he was much better than him. I was really surprised to see him that late. I mean, and I expected. I'll show you a a post I had made um, on this little 49ers Facebook uh, group, and I was like, something's telling me he's going to be there in the second round, and the 49ers should 100% take him or trade up to get him. And sure enough, they traded up, and I 100% I thought it was for him, and it was not. It was for Josh <laughs> I was upset. I'm sorry, man.
2: I'm sorry. Especially with how it's worked out, too, man. Can you imagine what the 49ers would be doing right now if Michael Thomas was on their squad? But oh, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. All right, so our very last question of the night. Michael Medina, so many rumored trades in the first round. Which heavily rumored trade scenario do you think is absolute bullshit? That's, that's what he wrote, guys. Just reading what he wrote. Um, I don't know, man. I think I think a lot of those players that were mentioned in that John Lynch trade were probably not available. You know, I, I think that was probably maybe just throwing something at a wall. I, I don't know. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of trade scenarios that I thought were just super silly being mentioned. Um, but, I mean, the fact that some, so many things, D Ford, Quan Alexander, and Jaquisky Tart are all available, you know, so they would trade all three of those guys right now if they got the chance. What the hell are they going to do on defense? I, I
3: could see what made made them, like, expendable, but, yeah, I couldn't see them letting go on all those guys. The one I was like, ah, was D Ford. Outside right. that, and really everybody else, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> right,
2: right. So, I mean, I mean, that's really the most I could come up with. I'm, I'm probably forgetting something, but I mean, that's there hasn't been a whole lot of trade rumors that I just thought were were insane. I mean, even the Evan Ingram one, that kind of, I kind of was like, yeah, sure, whatever. But, I mean, I could see why they would be doing it, so I wouldn't call it absolute BS. I'm not, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I don't know. Right. But, that, I mean, that's pretty much it for us tonight. I mean, that was hopefully, you know, that was everybody's questions. I didn't have anybody in here that was muted, which is awesome. <laughs> means you're all good people and you haven't said something stupid to make me mute you. Um, and that should be everybody. And the big thing that, I, that I'm taking away from this draft right now or what my final thoughts are, that I've, I've seen that comment that somebody said, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, I can't remember who it was, said, that the way the media expects the draft to go and the way it's going to go are two very, very, very different things, which is awesome to me. Like, I hope the whole draft is filled with Clellan Farrell to the Raiders type reactions. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, holy, sh- why is this guy going right now? You know, tough like that. If it's If it's crazy, it is what it is. Cool, man, enjoy it. The draft only happens once a year. The one piece of advice I would leave you with is sure you can have your draft crush, but just know the 49ers at most are only going to get to pick two people. So don't become so emotionally wrapped up around one player that the 49ers have to draft and all that stuff. Just enjoy it. Have fun. Um, you know, know that the 49ers are going to get a good player no matter what and just, just enjoy it. You know, you got it. What are your, what are your final thoughts here, Croc?
3: Now I'm just excited, man. And, and, um, the, the revenge tour. Starts in two days.
2: Right, right. 2020 could be a huge year for the 49ers. We'll see. We will see. Um, it's interesting. That's a good It's a good final closing statement. We're going to leave it at that. Um, as always, thank you guys for being here. Thanks you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with with us this long. I think we're like almost an hour and a half in. Uh, yeah, just under it. So, you know, obviously you wanted to get to all your questions. I appreciate you guys for being here. Wouldn't be possible without you guys. Follow me on Twitter, at Rob underscore Louder. Follow Eric, um, 20,000 followers, Crocker, at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, Follow him on Twitter and tell him all his draft takes and his rankings are wrong. And make sure you guys are staying inside. Make sure you're washing your hands. Make sure you're staying healthy. Um, No matter how much you read about all these weird states opening up, their businesses. That's not what we should be doing. Stay hunker down, stay healthy, so this thing can be gone in a hurry and our NFL season is in, in jeopardy. So, uh, But that's it for another week. The next time we come at you, we will be reviewing the 49ers' 2020 draft class. This is Strike and Gold, signing out.
1: From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being.